It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to dive into your mailbag questions and grade your takes. Is SGA going to be an all-star? Will Trey Mann win sixth man of the year? And will Chet Holmgren take home the MVP award? Plus, are the Thunder going to be in a playoff position at the end of the season? All that and more coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Bet Online. We're going to dive into another Oklahoma City Thunder mailbag episode with your questions, ranging from anywhere between SGA being an all-star to if the Thunder can be a playoff team, the Chet Holmgren winning rookie of the year, and even who has the best pizza in Oklahoma City. But thank you for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Subscribe for free across all platforms, including YouTube. Let's start out with grading your take. So I took to Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles, and I asked for your NBA opinions, and we're going to lay them all out right here and see which ones that we agree with, disagree with, and kind of how how far out there they are or how realistic that they are. So let's start with at Andrew Baxter 90. The first take is that the Thunder will have at least 35 wins this year. Um, that seems pretty realistic. That seems pretty fair. Uh, you know, on the high end, they won less than 25 games the last two seasons. I think that they can win anywhere between you know, of course, it could technically the low end win like 28 games or something, but I'd say 28 to 35 would kind of be where I would have them at. So that's just taking the very optimistic high end. Uh, probably somewhere around 30, 31 wins might be more applicable, but uh, 35 wins is not too terribly far of a stretch. Uh, Dort will average above 38% from three. This one I find very interesting. Of course, the Thunder have fought, have, uh, Hired a brand new shooting coach in Chip England, and he's been fantastic in his entire career. He's regarded as the best shooting coach in the NBA and, and, in, and in the league. So anything that he can do to help Ludort will be um, great. But also, I think that with this current roster, you're going to see Ludort take less non-corner threes. And that's what's really drugged down his shooting percentages. Non-corner threes so far in his career. Ludort shot 29%. 33%, 31%. Corner three so far in his career. He shot 
46% and 44%. So the last two years, he's been excellent shooting in corner threes, which has made up for how bad he's been on non-corner threes. And I think that this year, with the roster all flushed out, when you have SGA, you have Giddy, you have Lou Dort, you have you know Baisley or Jerry and, and, and Chet, and then, of course, whenever Jalen Williams is on the floor with Lou Dort, that'll help a lot in terms of uh, taking that pressure off of him. You know, there are just so many reasons to believe that Ludor will be taking more in the corner than more up top to where his percentages should rise naturally that way, plus any changes that Chip England can make. Uh, so I think that the the outcome could lead to Ludor shooting 38% uh, in the first year um, since re-signed, uh, since since signing that extension and re-signing this summer on that big deal. So that'll be very uh, important. We're going to be w- looking at his three-point percentages all season long. Uh, and then another one from Andrew, he has two more. SGA will make an all-star team, and Chit Holmgren will be rookie of the year. Um, both of these are very plausible. I think that SGA will make the all-star game this year. I think that the Thunder will be good enough record-wise, you know, not in the playoffs or anything, not in, like, the top seven. But, like, I think that they'll be good enough to where you cannot snub SGA again just based on team record and that he'll continue to have a fantastic season. And, of course, Chip England making his three-point shot bounce back this year percentage-wise, um, and getting that more under control this year at the start of the season will help a lot too. I do think SGA will be an all-star. And then predicting Chet Holmgren will be Rookie of the Year, if I had to bet money on it right now, I'd still go Paula Bencaro. I think that he'll have a more a, a, a more eye-popping points-per-game stat line to where that'll get him more votes. But if if Chet Holmgren you know, you know, averages two blocks per game and uh, is just dominating defensively and offensively, then that changes. I think that Chet Holmgren has the most has the easiest path to rookie of the year to to dethrone Paolo Bencaro because he can do so much more than just points per game. To me, I'm looking at you know Paolo, I'm looking at Chet, and then I'm looking at Keegan Murray because if Keegan Murray is a you know huge impactful piece of the Kings breaking that playoff drought, maybe that's where the voters go as well. But yeah, I think that all these takes are pretty fair. Uh, obviously optimistic, but uh, pretty fair. If I had to bet which one I think will come true, like which one I think will actually happen, and I had to bet on one of these texts being correct, I would bet on SGA being an all-star as the most correct out of this bunch. At Swanson27A, Sam Presti will not tank this season. He'll let it play out like normal. So the Thunder have a, a lot of routes to go here. I always have said this offseason that it'll kind of look like this, where they'll play the season like normal up until the all-star break, and at the all-star break, they're either going to pivot or they're not going to pivot, and they're just going to keep playing it out. And then this take, of course, is saying that they're just going to keep playing it out. Uh, I, I could see that. Uh, it's a really deep draft class, um, and the odds of you capturing the, the lottery luck to get Victor Mignogna is not very great, even if you're the worst team in the league. But uh, I don't think that they're going to have a chance to get down that low. Like I think that they're obviously better than San Antonio. I think that once Danny Ainge is done – uh, wheeling and dealing, they're going to be obviously better than Utah. And then that's not to mention any other team in the league You know th- that is going to be tanking at the time, plus injuries and everything of the sort. Now, the only pushback I'd have with this is that if, if anything goes wrong, and this is the case for every team in the league, if anything goes wrong, there is strong incentive in this grade of a draft class, especially with a clear number one, to just go ahead and pack it in for the year. But again, that's the case for every team in the league. If you get a massive injury to your star player, you might as well just pack it up. If it looks like he's going to have to uh, spend a lot of time on the bench uh, and rehabbing, you might as well pack it up and try to get uh, a bolster to your roster if you own your first-round pick, which, of course, the Thunder do. 
at OKC, please win. Treyman will win six man of the year this year and average 20 points per game. Uh, this would be a massive improvement. I think that he's capable of doing this eventually in his career. And even if he does average 20 points per game this year, which will be a 10 point improvement from last year, uh, I don't think that he'll win six man of the year because I think that they'll give it to somebody on a on a better record team, even if the Thunder win 35 games or so. I don't think they'd give it to him. But I do think that this is an obtainable goal for him to have later in his career uh, as this roster gets better and better and they start winning more and more games. So more takes from you, more mailbag questions from you as well. That's all coming up. We're going to dive into uh, grading the young core between the Pistons, the Rockets, the Magic. We're also going to rank my top 10 Lockdown NBA hosts. That'll be a lot of fun. Who has the best pizza in OKC? And can Alexei Pokashevsky become a starter this season? So many good questions. We're going to get into it all, plus your opinions about the NBA. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and, folks, use the promo code LOCKEDON15. That's the promo code LOCKEDON15. That gets you 15% off of your next order. It's amazing. You're going to want to try these Brand new built bars that they have. They have brand new flavors all the time, like cookie dough chunk puffs. Those are fantastic. They also have their standard their standard options, like a double chocolate built bar, and they also have, of course, cherry barcia and cheesecake and everything else. Cookies, uh, cookie and some cream. A built bar is a protein bar, but it tastes like a candy bar, and it's covered in 100% real chocolate along the outside. Make sure that you are. Locked in to Built Bar. They're great pre-workout or post-workout or even as a meal replacement or a snack. They only have 160 calories with a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. So make sure you check them out today. Built.com, promo code LOCK15, 15% off of your next order. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your teams every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles, And of course, subscribe to the show for free on YouTube and any other podcasting platforms that you uh, are listening to the show on. Let's continue grading your takes. This one from at MK325491 on Twitter. The Nets made a huge mistake trading for James Harden, and now it's even worse because of the Katie situation. I think that this is a fair opinion, but it deserves the context of it, right? It was clear that at the time Kevin Durant wanted James Harden and that James Harden won the Nets and that, you know, who knows where Kyrie stood in all of this truly, but you're focusing on Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is the prize in all of this. He wants Harden. Harden's available. Harden wants you. You gotta go get James Harden in that case, you know, because you've because you've given your franchise away for the next four years to Kevin Durant and Kyrie and, and, and the players, and that's what they wanted. 
and then it just didn't work out. So I, I think that it's hard to to begrudge the Nets for trading for James Harden because if you don't trade for James Harden, what's stopping Kevin Durant at the time of just saying, hey, trade me then if you're not going to trade for James Harden? Because that's how that's how this works. I mean, he has that kind of leverage, Kevin Durant does, to, to do that over something like that. So it was a mistake in the sense of just pure um, outcome and basketball trajectory and everything like that. But in terms of appeasing Kevin Durant, they kind of had to do it, and now it's gotten them in this mess of a situation where now Kevin Durant doesn't want to be there anymore and the Kyrie stuff. It, the Nets were a massive failure. They took the, they took the shot. They took the shot on the acceleration button and on giving their franchise two players, and it just didn't work out. Uh, but, you know, if, if it would have resulted in a championship, of course, it would have all been worth it. From at Jackson Gatlin on Twitter, host of Locked on Rockets, Jabari Smith will make an NBA all-defensive team before Chet Holmgren does. I thank you, Jackson, for not saying that Chet Holmgren never makes one, just that Jabari makes one first. Um, this is going to be a hard take to disagree on because I had Jabari Smith won one on my board, and I think that Jabari Smith can be an elite defender and will be an elite defender in this league and be a very versatile one that can guard one through five and can just be an excellent 3 and D caliber player. Um, it comes down to kind of what the voters, it comes down to a lot of things. What the voters think is more important, rim protection as a highlight stat or the way that the way that Jabari can get blocks and steals on the perimeter um, and, and lockdown perimeter shooting. It comes down to also strength of position, you know, you know, in terms of, you're going to vote on Chet being a center versus you're going to vote on Jabari being a power forward slash small forward area of his game. Uh, it comes down to also, I think, record. I mean, I think that um, the voters, of course, are always going to factor in the record a bit in this, who can get better faster, the Thunder or the Rockets. With all that being said, uh, I think that it will be Chet just because he'll have more eye-popping defensive numbers that are just basic and standard, and that a lot of the voters still use those kind of metrics instead of using more advanced uh, sites and advanced stats, but uh, it'll be very close. And I think that both of them make multiple all NBA defensive teams at Zakara VS Jalen Williams will become the third most important uh, prospect at the end of the year behind SGA and Chet Holmgren. I, I think that this would mean that of course he jumps Josh Kitty, which would be a bit of a stretch. I still think, even though I love Jalen Williams, um, of course, jumping Trey Mann would have to happen which I think is very realistic. I think that Jalen Williams is already my fourth favorite Thunder player in terms of this young core. I think that we can do on ball and off ball on offense. Plus, I think that the defense that he's shown in college and at summer league really goes a long way for a team that has a track record of developing defense and developing developing that skill set fully with one of the brightest young defensive minds on the sidelines in Cam uh, in, in Cameron Woods. So you've got a guy who can play a versatile game of defense who can already shoot pretty well and, of course, can play as a ball handler or off ball. And the Thunder have an environment that is, number one, conducive to developing because it's just the Thunder track record. Number two, really good at developing defense, which, hello, that's something that Jalen already has a baseline of and thrives in. And number three, they just hired the best shooting coach in the NBA. So with all those things, it feels like a perfect marriage for Jalen Williams to, to develop into one of the best players in this roster and, and a really good player in this league uh, as a lottery pick and, and as somebody who the Thunder, of course, invested in from Santa Clara. So I don't hate this take, but of course, it's going to be hard to jump over um, Josh Giddy in one rookie season. So I, I do think that it's going to be wrong. I think this will be fourth, but fourth is not bad at all for, for what this team is. Um, at MN. Renegado, Renegado, sorry, 
Uh, SG will be an all-star. Chet will be top three in the year. And Luka or Giannis will win MVP. This is a perfect take to me because we break down all three. I've already said I think that SG will be an all-star. I think that Chet will finish at least top three in the rookie of the year. So that's 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 a better take, of course. Uh, not a better take, but of course a more crutched take than Andrew Paxter's take of him outright winning it. I feel very comfortable with him being top three versus I'm a little scared of him just outright winning it because, of course, we just never know how these things develop and how the voters feel about rookie of the year. So top three, though, feels like a lock. SGA for an all-star game feels like a lock. And I do agree with you that either Luka or Giannis will win MVP. I think that we're going to get a full, healthy, and in-shape Luka this year from start to finish. He's playing in Eurobasket. He's played pretty much a whole year, all, all summer uh, overseas. I think that with Giannis, of course, the Bucks always have potential to win an absurd, a certain amount of games, and he's going to be awesome as well. But I, I do think that if I had to bet money right now, I'd bet on Luka or Giannis to be the MVP. Uh, and, of course, Chet Top 3, SGA All-Star, all make sense as well. At Thunder Takes OKC, Keegan Murray and the Kings will be a 6-8 to eight seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, this is what I was talking about earlier. If this were to happen, yeah, Keegan's going to get a lot of love for Rookie of the Year because he will have to have helped Sabonis and Fox get there in a massive way. To be 6-8, to eight, if you're 6th, you're not even in the plan. You're in the playoffs automatically. That would be just unheard of. Even to be 7-8, that would be incredible to, to to have that leverage going into the plane where you get two shot two shots at it to try to make the playoffs. So like this this take I think will end up being quote unquote wrong. I think they'll finish I think that the Kings will finish eight to ten this year. But if it's were to happen, I just want to use this as a launching point, it's gonna be hard to deny Keegan Murray Rookie of the Year award if this if this were to happen. Uh, look at what happened to Scotty Barnes last year and, and everything of that nature. Um at Zach McDaniel, the Thunder's future does not revolve around SGA. Instead, the ball should be in Giddy's hands. I'm not ready to say anything about the pairing between these two guys. What, what we know so far is that SGA is a very good player and that Josh Gay is a very good player. What we know so far also is that they haven't played a lot of games together. And we know that they're both mature. We, we know that they both want things to work out for themselves and for each other. We know that they both are on the same page of trying to make this work together. And when two very good basketball players want to make it work, it's going to be a lot easier to make it work. And we also know that they had the best game of their season together, the best game as a duo, the day after the All-Star break. What happened the day before? Well, they had this all-out meeting with with both of them and Mark and Sam Presti and got on the same page and, and figured some things things out for one game only because then, of course, Josh Giddy got hurt. So with all that information, I'm not ready to say definitively what should happen, who, who the team should you know revolve around. I think that this will truly be a communal effort of there are going to be games and days and weeks at a time where SGA is just completely and thoroughly ball dominant. There's also going to be times like that for Josh Giddy where he's ball dominant and he's getting the ball back to SGA and setting him up for easy buckets and, and, and out to all these other players on the team. So I'm not going to say that the future automatically is 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 defined between SGA and Giddy. Uh, I think that they're both going to have the, balls in their hand, the, the ball in their hand a ton uh, and, and that this pairing is still going to work out if I had to bet. Uh, at Adrian underscore... The Thunder are uh, Thunder trading for the Knicks pick to get Usman Jang was a mistake. They gave up three first-round picks. None of them were, of course, that great. However, I do have to be fair in saying that if they didn't trade those picks, we'd still be lofting them as um, important, even though they might not end up being important. Uh, it's, a, it's, of course, the biggest play the results factor there is, right? You trade those heavily protected picks for Usman Jang. If he becomes a all-star... Totally worth it. If he becomes a bust, 
then you start questioning things. So it's, it, we're totally going to play the results on this. Um, there might've been better value on the board at the time, you know, when we should that trade for that Knicks pick, but uh, the Thunder of course, believe in, in, uh, in Usman Jang and they've been scouting him since he's 16 years old. So I have to give them the benefit of the doubt there. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a mistake. I would just say it's a, it's a big risk, a big gamble. This take is the, the most, the funniest take from McClawson on Twitter. The Thunder's big ball lineup of SGA, Josh Giddy, Pokashevsky, Jerry, and Chet Holmgren. Whew, that is a massive lineup. Will dominate this season with some Chip England magic. So yeah, if if Giddy can shoot league average from three and Poku can shoot uh, just below league average and, and Jerry can reach his shooting potential, which I think is about you know, 38, 39% for uh, Jerry's ceiling, and Chet Holmgren shoots 40% from three again, yeah, then this this lineup can dominate. But uh, it'll be wacky. It'll be wonky. And that's exactly how the Thunder want to play. It's just it's just kind of eye-opening to list all those guys at the same time and be like, huh, you know, Mark's probably going to roll that lineup out at least for a little bit this season. At Theno Walrus, it does not feel like the front office wants the team to succeed just to stay in the lottery. Am I right to feel this way? Me personally, I think that the Thunder want team success. They want the team to succeed. But if they don't get success, they're going to not panic. And, and what I mean by that is the success can be defined in a multitude of ways. For the Thunder, success is defined in the sense of not can we reach the plane. To them, reaching the plane is not a successful season. A successful season is going to the playoffs and having a shot to win in the first round, a shot to win in the second round, a shot to eventually win a title. That's success. If you can check off any of those three boxes, then it's a successful season. If you're only checking off, well, we scrapped our way to the play-in, they think that that's less successful than, well, we have a really good shot to get another key piece of this roster that was not good enough to do anything but barely make the play-in. So it's all about perception of success. I think that the Thunder, in their ideal world, would love to find a balance between developing these young players and staying in the lottery one more year. I think that that's what they want to do. We'll see if they can actually pull that off. But again... What's your version of success to you is having team success, barely scraping the barrel of a 10th seed, eighth seed, you know, ninth seed, or is team success, you know, finishing bottom five, six in the league and then leaping up and getting a, a, a guy in the, in the, in the lottery, like having the shot to leap up. Of course, you're not guaranteed to leap up, but having the shot to lean up, uh, to leap up. So that's kind of where I'm at with this whole thing. I think that the season this year is going to be fun. No matter the win loss record, I think that this is the year in which if you've been a casual fan, if you've been totally checked out even, this is the year to get right back in the mix because while I can't promise you any record will be different or or any win-loss number, I can't promise you a figure on the win-loss record, what I can promise you is this team will be fun. What I can promise you is this team will lay the foundation for how Thunder basketball unfolds for the next 8, 9, 10 years in Bricktown. And you're going to want to be on the cutting room floor, on the cutting edge of seeing this team evolve and eventually become a contender again, which I think will happen in the near future. Again, I think that this offseason in 2023, we're going to see a huge splash move, I hope. And I think that that's kind of where things are trending. So I want to uh, I want to start having you guys invest in the Thunder and, and getting uh, ahead of the curve on that big splash move and getting excited about the Thunder future. And I think there's a lot of reasons to watch this year, and we're going to outline those throughout the next few weeks and leading into training camp in the season at the end of September. But I just want to tell you right now that that's kind of how I feel about it. But yeah, obviously... They've pivoted a bit in the last couple of seasons, but I think it's for a good reason because I think that I think that success is kind of um, perspective.
NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's continue on here with your questions. So we did our mailbag questions last week. You sent in so many that I had to carry this over to this week. Uh, The first one from at Mr. Black Platinum on Twitter. Grade the young cores in comparison to the young team. So the Thunder, Pistons, Rockets, Magic. I would still put the Thunder number one because the Pistons, Rockets, Magic do not have an SGA-level player. Of course, Cade Cunningham could become SGA-level player. Um, Who knows what Paulo can be? Who knows what Jalen Green can be? But starting the with the starting point of SGA before you mention anyone else, the Thunder have the, have the lock on the best young core because then you can go into Josh Giddy, you can go into Chet Holmgren because if you were just going to only talk about what, what these guys could become, well, Chet Holmgren could become a guy we've never seen before that can win multiple uh, you know All NBA awards and, and All Star awards and things like that. So like if we're talking about what they could become, obviously it could be SGA, Josh Giddy, Chet Holmgren all panning out. Not to mention Jalen Williams from very high on that can shoot. The lights out of the gym, plus cut very well, plus play on ball, plus play good defense. So I still think that the Thunder are the number one young core. And in fact, we did a roundtable episode at the All-Star break. You can go back and listen to with me, Locked On Magic, Locked On Rockets, Locked On Cavs, Locked On Pistons, a lot of the Locked On uh, hosts. And they all agreed with me that the Thunder have the best young core, the second best young core. So the Rockets have Jalen Green and they have Jabari Smith. The Magic have Paulo Bencaro and the Pistons have Cade Cunningham and they have uh, Jaden Ivey and they have Jalen Durant. The second for me is the Pistons. I love that Pistons draft class this year. I love Cade Cunningham. So it's Pistons too. And then it's between Rockets Magic. I still lean towards the Rockets. I had Jalen Green as 1B last year instead of number two under Cade Cunningham. I think that he's going to explode this year onto the scene. So the Rockets there with with Jabari Smith, who's my who's my one one this year, uh, and then the Magic. I still love Paul Carroll, but I think that they are just now starting in the sense of yeah, they're young players. Some of them are very complimentary, and some of them are very even competent young players that can help you um, play good basketball. But they've only got one guy that I think is um, capable of being a top two on a team, a, a top one on the team, and that's Paul Carroll. The other cores have a couple guys who I think could if they reach their ceiling become a number one, two, three on a team's core and on a team trying to win a championship. So at uh, It's Mirshin, do you consider the quote-unquote new media a threat? Renowned journalists like Mike, uh, like Michael Miller have been forced into retirement by them. Uh, if you don't know that joke, if you're not on Thunder Twitter, Michael Miller is just some random like fan account that like somebody like made and like, acts like they're in these press conferences with the Thunder media and stuff. It's kind of funny. They just like copy and paste our tweets and like post them. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, of course, I don't think that, that, that that's, that, that's the new media. I think that the new media is Draymond Green and the new media is, you know, um, um, JJ Redick and the new media is Duncan Robinson. That's of course your question. You just made a joke about Michael Miller, which I think was very funny. I did laugh at it whenever I read it the first time. Uh, no, to me, the new media is not a threat. Uh, it's, it's a, Ability to coexist, right? Because they have great insight and they have great um, podcasts and storytelling ability and 
um, connections within the NBA, of course, to get on great guests. And, and when they do get on those guests, they have an ability to make them feel more comfortable because you have a relationship with somebody and you have, um, you know, that rapport where, whereas like, uh, Andre Iguodala, right. Andre Iguodala got, um, the Warriors GM and owner on, and the Warriors owner gets fined for what he says on Andre Iguodala's podcast on Metal Arc Media. The uh, it's called the Point Forward podcast. Uh, got fined for what he said on the podcast, and I think that that only happens because he's so comfortable with Andre Iguodala, and that, and that he let him sit, let his guard down in that interview that he wouldn't have done with somebody else. Um, so I, I do think that the new media is great for basketball fans, and it's great for sport fans. It happens, of course, outside of basketball. We're focusing on basketball. It hap- It's great for uh, basketball fans. And I do think that there's an avenue for everyone to coexist because you know that whenever you go to the, um, you know, point forward podcast, you're going to get Andre Iguodala's perspective. And whenever you go to Draymond Green's podcast, you're going to get Draymond's perspective and they're going to present to you the best version that, you know, of whatever story they're telling for themselves. And, you know, with these documentaries, right, of Derek Jeter and Tom Brady and Michael Jordan, like they're going to have the first right of refusal if they don't want something in the documentary, if they don't want something touched on in the documentary, they're going to get to clean it up and they're going to get to um, present it how they want to present it. Uh, that's all That's all fine and well. That's all their prerogative. But there's also going to be inside stories from Shams and from, uh, you know, Mark Stein and from all these other guys too that tell you the full-blown uh, details of all parties involved and not trying to, hopefully, of course, if they're doing their job correctly, not trying to side with one side or the other. That's, of course, happened before, of course, in traditional media. But it'll be more likely to happen with the players themselves. So I think that there's an avenue for everybody. There, there is a... There is a avenue for everyone to to coexist in all of this. You can get the player perspective, the media perspective. There's even fan podcasts, obviously. You can get the fan perspective. You can get all of it. So I think that it's great. And, and the time we're living right now is incredible to be a fan of, of this sport. Uh, at MK325491, who are your top 10 Lockdown, uh, Lockdown Network hosts? I'm only going to do NBA because I have listened to Lockdown MLB and NFL and uh, college uh, throughout, you know, sporadically. But I've listened to the NBA the most. And, of course, I'm ranking all of them in the top 10. We're just going to go 1A, 1B until we get down to 30. But I do I do want to say I love listening to Nick Engstead on Locked in NBA on Thursdays. And then also, of course, Locked on Mavericks. John Corrella, Shake Madison do Locked on NBA on Wednesdays. Love that podcast. That is appointment listening for them. Corrales, of course, with the Celtics. I love listening to that podcast during the Celtics finals run. And, uh, of course, they're just a fun team to watch. And, and I do find myself watching Celtics games waiting for the Thunder to tip off uh, on NBA League Pass whenever because they, they come on earlier, of course, uh, Central Time. They come on like 6 Central Time, so it's easier to watch the Celtics. So I love watching John Corrales's podcast and Jake Madison's podcast, Locked on Pels. He has so many great ideas and fun ideas for topics and, and that you can kind of steal for your own podcast. Uh, plus, of course, he's just a great Twitter follower and a great uh, host in general, plus their their locked in NBA is just dynamite on Wednesdays. Matt Moore of Locked On Nuggets is great. Jackson Gatlin of Locked On Rockets and Locked In NBA Mondays is great. And then gotta give a credit to Josh Lloyd, who hosts Locked On Fantasy Basketball, the biggest fantasy basketball podcast in the world. I'll be on there uh, this week talking Thunder Fantasy Basketball. And whenever I started with Locked On, I started to get into Locked On. Uh, I started to get into fantasy basketball. I only really ever played fantasy football before, and Josh Lloyd made me an expert pretty quickly. In in uh, basketball, uh, fantasy basketball. Of course, David Locke. I, I think that David Locke deserves to be on this list, not just because he owns the company, he's the boss of everything, but I admire David Locke's ability to walk the line of being an overly excited fan in some instances, but also come back and being a very measured, 
journalistic kind of approach to it. Balancing that is very tough, and he does it very, very well on his podcast and gets his fan base excited. You've heard Richard Stamen on our podcast before. I, I love him as well. Matt George, Locked on Kings. Whenever the Kings get good this year, check out Locked on Kings. Matt George is one of the best, of course, and then Isaac Harris, of course, host, hosting um, Locked on Mavericks. And, of course, Richard Stamen hosting Locked on NBA Draft and appearing on this podcast frequently as well. At B uh, at P Bartolo Season 7, best pizza in OKC for my money, Hideaway is the best pizza in Oklahoma. Love Hideaway. I love uh, Hideaway in OKC. Empire Slice is an honorable mention, but for me, it's Hideaway. What are your favorite pizzas in OKC? I'm always down to try new pizza uh, in and around OKC. At Subliminal 55, now that Roby Island has sold to San Antonio, what is the next pun player you believe in? And then he gives a shout Oh, uh, Cameron Baker gives a shout-out to the North Pole, Jalen Williams, um, as Thunder Chats on Twitter, who you've heard on this podcast before, calls him Santa due to attending Santa Clara University. Uh, for me, it's Baisley Bay. It's Giddy Grove and SGA Avenue for who I'm buying stock into uh, with puns about, you know, islands and, and, and living spaces. Another question from the email from Joel. So shout out to Joel. I think this is like one of our first email questions. You can email us, lothunderpodgmail.com. Can Poku do enough to become a starter this year? No, I don't think he can do enough to become a starter this year in the sense of starting um, every game this season or half of the games this season or a quarter of the games this season. But I do think they'll get some opportunities to start, and I do, I do think that it'll take a big leap this year in his progression. I think that this year you'll see a the best version of Pokoshevsky you've seen so far, and he can be a very solid rotational piece for OKC. So that's where I'm at on Poku. That's where I'm at on this Thunder roster and team. Let me know your takes on the YouTube comment section down below and on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 